welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and as ever, I'm joined by my partner in crime, MK. Hello. Hi. So, you and I are having a rough start to this episode. <laughs> it's only like our third time, maybe fourth, third, right? Yeah, attempting to just open the fucking thing. <laughs> it's it's hard out there for a podcaster. It's true. It's hard out there for a podcast pimp duo. Um, oh. <laughs> Yes, I said it. I mean it. I live that thug life. But I'm we're gonna we're gonna soldier through this because we have a couple of really fun topics for this week. Um, MK is going to chat a little bit about Rizzoli and Isles, which I can't believe you're still watching. Um, <laughs> the, the latest Yahoo season of Community. I will be talking a little bit about uh, history's Vikings, aka known as our collective cockroach cake, and guys. There's some amazing news involving some agents from the FBI and how, like, blood sacrifice actually does work, so everyone get on some witchcraft, which I will discuss before we get to our main topic for the episode, which is going to be a discussion of the movie Kingsman, and it will be completely spoilery, so we'll warn you again before we start, but be prepared. If you haven't seen it yet and you don't want to get spoiled, you are going to need to bail when we tell you to bail. But before we get there, MK... What the haps on Rizzoli and Isles? Okay, so Rizzoli and Isles, listen. I don't know why you watch that show, but, like, I I guess I'm more surprised that it's still on than the fact that you watch it. Because, like, if it's on, obviously you're going to watch it. But, like, I didn't know it was still on. Yeah, it's still on. And I think it's actually better this season than it has been in previous seasons. Sure. Just just let me have this. I'm I'm really... (laughs) I found myself, like, surprised watching it last week, being like, holy shit, this is, like, everything is great. Like, I was really happy. Um, so normally, male love interests are, like, disposable and interchangeable and, like, whatever. Except that uh, in the last season and a half, I think, uh, they had a love interest for Dr. Isles, who is actually, I'm going to say this name wrong, and I'm really sorry, Enver Gokai? He's the guy who plays Daniel D'Souza on Agent Carter. Oh, okay. Right? And he's been in, like, pretty much everything Joss Whedon has done on TV. Um, So, one, I love that guy. But, two, this love interest was actually, like, interesting and fun to watch. And I wasn't, like, bored during scenes about him. Like, it was always really fun. Uh, However, you might have noticed that he was cast in Agent Carter. (laughs) Which means that... Recently, they had to write him off the show. And the way they handled it was, like, unusually good for television. What did they do, MK? Well, normally, in classic, like, television drama slash Rizzoli and Isles fashion, they, like, kill someone. Or have that person (laughs) turn out to be a killer. Um, But this time, so his character is actually, like, um, a divorced parent who shares custody with his wife, who's, like, a scientist or an astrophysicist or something. Um, And his wife has gotten a job offer from NASA, which means she has to move to, I don't know, New Mexico or something, where I assume she'll do some Thor research. Uh, And she wants to take the kid with her. And he's like, listen, I can make this work. We can still be together. Like, I can do part-time there and part-time here. And she's like, I can't take you away from your daughter. Like, it's the most important thing is that you spend time with her while she's growing up. And so she breaks up with him. In order to, like, support his family relationship. That's very sweet. Yeah. And, I don't know, the way they handled it in the show was very, like, mature adults, which I'm just not used to from television drama. 
No, absolutely. Wait, so my question is, is he, like, coming back? Does that mean, like, Sousa's in danger? I have no idea. Now I'm concerned. Now I need to know whether or not, like, the relationship is going well on Rizzoli and Isles. No, no. I need to, like, face myself. They can't be together. Like, he's left Rizzoli and Isles. I know, but, like, would he come back? Oh, I mean, you know what? If he shows up on Rizzoli and Isles, I'll tell you. And that means Agent Carter, you know, isn't happening. Either that or he's being written off. Yeah, but I feel like anyone, like, there's a frequent thing in Rizzoli and Isles where you're like, great, that love interest is gone. And then, like, two seasons later, they come back. Um, So if he comes back, I'll definitely let you know. The other thing they did. Sorry? You'll warn us. (laughs) Yeah, I'll warn you all because I know I'm the only person watching this. But, like, literally, I really enjoy it. They're doing a lot of great stuff this season. I'm loving it. Um, one of the other things that I love that they did is that normally when a character dies on a show, they have, like, one episode where they're like, oh, we're so sad that this character died, and then it never comes up again. Um, and they actually, I think I remember telling you that the guy who played Frost unfortunately committed suicide, and so they had to write his character out of the show, um, in which, like, he dies because he can't come back. But instead, like, they did one or two episodes where they were all very appropriately, I think, sad about him being gone. Um, And then it's been, like, a lot of episodes. And this week, again, was also about, like, still coping with his loss. Mm, Okay. Um, And I think it was kind of cheesy in a way that I see a lot on... I can't even just say American television because they do this on Canadian television, too, where they, like, try to play up a spiritual angle... Right. Um, But I still think that they handled it pretty well. And so I was just very happy. And, you know, if you're on the fence about Rizzoli and Isles, this is a good season to get back into it. Okay. Sure. I know. You're like, sure, MK. Sure. It's really (laughs) good. This is just, like, not a show that I'm aware of that, like, has a fan base that's, like, on the fence. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just a show people watch or they don't watch. I think you mean it's a show that, like, I and other people's moms watch. That's true, but those moms are still people. I know, but it's... This is a thing where, like, Lee Jack always makes fun of me because I watch the same TV shows as her parents and we read the same books and she's like, you're basically the same as my mom. It's true. I was born I mean, this way. You know. Yeah, I'm aware of it. I can't <laughs> help myself. Okay, okay. Um, all right, I'm going to cut in here um, and talk a little bit about something that people are also still watching, but definitely should not still be watching. Go ahead. Um, so some stuff happened this week, guys, on the History Channel's Vikings. I just... So to give you guys some background, first of all, like before I even start on this section, I should say spoilers. So if you haven't caught up with this week and you have somehow like missed the seismic, like agonized psychic scream that went through what remains of the fandom, then you should definitely uh, fast forward through this um, until we're talking about something else. (laughs) I just had trouble imagining people still watching Vikings. But again, I was just talking about Rizzoli Niles. So I know. There are apparently a lot of people still watching Vikings. Like, the show got renewed for season four, I think. I mean, it's the History Channel. I'm sure the bar is low. 
Uh, true. I mean, all it has to do is outperform ancient aliens, which I don't know how it can do because ancient aliens is like a fucking Goliath. Um, anyways, but the point <laughs> is like the reason I found out about this like latest event on the show Vikings, which we unaffectionately refer to almost exclusively as cockroach cake on this podcast, thanks to the tremendous Vikings episode from a couple seasons ago, which you guys should look up. Highly um, recommend. It's pretty good. Uh, is that <laughs> is that yesterday at 9.30 in the morning, I got a text message from Marilyn. <laughs> because I had retweeted that Vikings got renewed. And she's texted me, like, while we were both at work, and she sends me this message, and all it says is, also, by the way, regarding your Vikings trolling yesterday, they totally killed Apple Stand this week, so I don't even care. <laughs> so that's like her hysteric laughing. Yeah, they killed the monk. <laughs> I don't even like. Okay, we were talking about this before we started recording, guys, and I was like, all I know about Vikings is that there's a married couple and a monk, and that they were supposed to bone that monk, but I'm pretty sure it never happened, and now he's dead. That's literally all I know. I mean, like, I have not kept up with the show. Like, I watched two or three episodes of it in the very beginning. I did not keep up with the show, even through the first quote-unquote good season, which, debatable. Um, I definitely haven't kept up with it since. But all I, so, like, literally my knee-jerk question, right, in response to Athelstan, the monk is dead, was, did he die a virgin? Or did, or did like the the viking and his wife finally like seal the deal on that which is the point at which i learned that the viking and his wife are split up <gasps> like they're no longer together what like viking dude yeah like viking dude is married to someone else entirely his wife is married to someone else entirely and athelstan while he didn't die a virgin he did not he like did not get his like v card punched by the hotties who called first dibs on it <laughs> I feel so betrayed. I know. It's like, I was like, I'm not even into this show, but I feel angry on behalf of everyone who is. Yeah. What the hell, History Channel? I know. It's just like, it just seems so deeply cruel. <laughs> like, after all of this, after seasons of, like, torturously, like, teasing the glands and rolling the balls in your hand. Why you is this always your me metaphor? Shut You would finally do this to everyone who watches this. Monster. <laughs> it's just so mean. And like I I have to like if I ever meet the guy who does the show Vikings in real life, I want to buy him a drink. Because like <laughs> I've never managed to troll this many people this fucking effectively in my life. And I need to like learn from him. You need to learn from his ways. I need to. I need to like master his kung fu. Like I need to claim him as like karate kid style. As the ment as my mentor. Good. Yes. Did I tell you, by the way, that I, like, was talking about my GURPS game with a uh, friend, M.A., and she was like, you can't do that because that would be Prue-level trolling. And I was like, is that your bar? That's your bar for trolling? Is, like, would Prue do this as, like, a dick move? Yes. But I have to say, like... I, while I do recognize that my dick move meter is, like, quite strong, I have been training my whole life, mm -hmm. it, it could get stronger. 
Oh, it can always get stronger. Like, clearly it could get stronger. And, like, now I know who to claim as my sensei in order to make that happen. I'm, I'm real happy for you. You should be. I mean, like, guys, he killed the fucking monk. <laughs> He's dead. The monk is dead. Long live the monk. The monk is dead. So dead. Good. Also, apparently someone named Floki killed him. Come on. I have nothing. I have nothing. That sounds like, like somebody's... This isn't definitely Loki, like, OC character. I have no idea. Like, it just sounds like shitty fanfic to me. The Boy. whole show sounds like shitty fanfic to me. I mean, a lot of things sound like shitty fanfic to me. Yeah. I do not think it's wrong. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I think we should clean our palettes by discussing community. Yeah. Okay. So, guys, you know from our long history with Yahoo that usually I'm like, Yahoo, <laughs> evil. <laughs> right? Like, they're, they're frankly the worst. Right? We can agree on that. Uh, except, as it turns out, at running community, which is great this season. Cool. Like, actually super great. So I've watched the first three episodes. I think that's that's all that's out as of the time that we're recording this. Um, and one, it was, like, fucking hilariously funny. Two, they got rid of some characters, which was sad, but every time they get rid of a character now, they give you, like, a taste of a TV pilot, which is where they are now, because in Abed's mind, they've all spun off. Um, so, like, Shirley is on a show that 100% I would watch if it were real, which is basically <laughs> a mashup of um, Monk, not the Vikings Monk, but like Monk the TV show. Um, and I don't even know what, maybe Psych. I can't tell. It looks fucked up and I would 100% watch it because I'm that person. Of course. Yeah. Um, Emily from Criminal Minds is now like regular main cast. Wait, just on this season? I don't know, but, like, starting this season, yes, she's in every episode and she's a main character. This show's so weird. I think I'm saying the right person, right? It's the brunette on Criminal Minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. she's, like, main cast, and she's kind of great. Like, she's very funny. Um, but the other thing is, you know, like, I used to watch The Office before I worked in an office, and I was like, how could an office ever possibly be like this? <laughs> and now I watch Community, and I'm like, this might be too close to real life. <laughs> like, it's it's a little too on the nose. <laughs> so, if you work in academia at all, I highly recommend it. It's great. <laughs> I just I just have this vision of all of you people who, like, work in universities kind of, like, quietly weeping <laughs> as you watch the show. Can I just say, this is like a spoiler, guys, so if you haven't watched the third episode of this season, you might want to fast forward a bit. But this week's episode was them trying to prove that they had not given a bachelor's degree to a dog. And then not being able to prove it, correct? Uh, no. They, it turns out they didn't give the dog a bachelor's degree, but only because that dog did not pay her library fines. <laughs> well, thank God. Thank God. But she had a perfect, fantastic attendance record. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, it's just too close to real life. <laughs> it's just a little too in the nose. Oh, God. 
That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and they had a thing. There's a running joke, actually, in this episode, which I think you would really like. Which is, have you ever seen any community, by the way? Yeah, first season stuff. Okay, so you know that the Dean is in love with Jeff. Yes. Okay, so the Dean has been texting who he thinks is Jeff, but is actually two Japanese schoolboys, like, in Japan, who are definitely pretending to be Jeff and, like, trolling the shit out of him. I approve of those schoolboys. Yeah, they're having a great time. So, like, the whole episode, the, like, B-plot is these boys trolling the shit out of the Dean, pretending to be Jeff, whose feelings, and, like, their English is not that great. It's, like, amazing, but it's not that great. So they're like, how did you not catch on? Um, He's always like, I'm just secret. That's how I am. Like, that's why my feelings don't show in real life or something. Um, So at the end of the episode... The, the main kid who has the cell phone, his father comes home and is like, you can't just waste your life like this. One day you're going to have to go out into, like, the real world and get a job and whatever. But in, like, a very... It sounds like you're watching an anime the way they talk. Like, the language that they use is very emotional. Right. And the kid is like, you don't know me. You don't know anything about me, whatever. Like, I can do whatever I want. And then he's, he texts back to the dean and he's like, okay, I'm not Jeff. I am, like, so-and-so in Japan, and I need a friend right now. And the dean is like, of course you're Jeff. And he's like, no, I'm not Jeff. And he's like, then I'm not the dean. And then there's a voiceover of the Japanese boy, but, like, 20 years in the future or something. And he's like, and that was the moment when everything changed and how I became head of the Yakuza. (laughs) What? (laughs) That was the end of the episode. (laughs) I would watch that show. Right? Like, every time they tease a different show at the end of Community, I'm like, I would watch that. So basically, like, Community sounds almost like it's more of, I don't know, like a Drabble launching pad for story ideas than an actual show at this point. Sort of. I mean, the bulk of the episode is, like, you know, the thing with the dog and the diploma and a bunch of other stuff. Um, And that's all, like, enjoyable and great. But, like, it's almost like if you just appended an AU to the end of every episode. Hmm, okay. So you're like, here's your main story. By the way, here's an idea that you might like. And then you'll never see it again. Yikes. I don't know. I would not, I don't know. I would struggle with that because, like, I enjoy those teases, but I would want more of them. Oh, 100%. I want more of a lot of them. They've, like, pitched a lot of TV shows inside Community, partly just because Abed imagines a lot of TV shows. Right. And the thing is that, like, Abed, his character is so in tune with what's happening in television and media that, like, when you look at it, you're like, that looks terrible and completely plausible, and 100% I would watch it. (laughs) All right. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Let's move on. All right. Yes. Let's move on. Amazing news. Amazing news. Holy shit. Such amazing news. Guys, it has been sort of a really strange week for me. Because while, yes, in reality, all the stuff that is happening in my life is still just like a giant sack of flaming dog poop, everything that is happening to me on the internet and in fandom is so awesome. Like, so great. Yeah, it's been a pretty great week. It's been so great. I found out many things. 
Jillian Anderson is looking for, like, a lady date. Taryn Edgerton is apparently Welsh. And The X-Files is coming back, folks, 13 years after the last episode of season nine aired. We're not counting the second movie. Let's never stop it. Um, 13 years since the show ended, the whole core crew is committed to coming back for six episodes of like a mini run arc. Um, I don't know when it's slated for it, but I heard that it's supposed to start shooting this summer. And that means Chris Carter is back. David Duchovny is back. Jillian Anderson is back. They've been tweeting at each other in like the most adorable ways. I've been screaming a lot. The the moment the news broke, I found out about it actually after a bunch of other people because like as I said, flaming dog poop. So I was like, I'm I've been just flat out at work for the a long chat time. was really great because you were talking to us about like some other shit, and then I don't know who it was. But it was it wasn't one person is what makes it really amazing. It's like all of a sudden, like I had just gone back to my desk after like a series of meetings and I pick up my phone and like our group chat is like blowing up. And it's because all of you dicks had started texting me at the same time saying like not even giving context, just literally asking, are you okay? Like three people texted or messaged me like, are you okay? And I was like, WTF is happening. And uh, I think Mare was like, bro, Google search the X-Files. And I did. And I immediately had like a delirious, silent, like half weepy meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> this is our year. It's so great. It's like, it's, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not even joking. This is like truly all of my dreams come true. <laughs> Good. It's everything I wanted. Like, I never wanted this second movie, right? Because it even before seeing the movie, I didn't want it because it looked terrible. Um, and I only recently found out that part of the reason it was so bad was because the film had been greenlit and they only had a first draft of the script and then the writer's strike hit. So that film never had any rewrites. Oh. They just shot it with the first draft not everything can be put robert downey jr in front of a camera with no script and like iron man yeah. one happens exactly like not everything can be like hope for the best you know prepare for the worst situation because in that case we hoped for the worst we got the worst everything came as it was intended good but this one i have like I don't know. I'm feeling really optimistic about it. And I think it's time, right? There's been like a recent sort of resurgence of interest in the X-Files in part because olds like me are like, Oh man, like we really miss some hot gray, ugly shoulder pad G man and woman action. And <laughs> also because finally, like Jillian Anderson doesn't really have like, um, a major television commitment beyond her pieces on Hannibal, right? And then David Duchovny is finally off of Californication. And these are both two actors who have had, like, incredibly successful careers, even after The X-Files. And so they're definitely bankable. People clearly are interested in the property. Like, Kumail Nanjiani is running The X-Files Files, which is, like, my favorite podcast right now to listen to. And I think it's time. I'm really excited I'm so happy. The only thing that could make me happier is if they told me that, like, super stern, mega-ripped, bald Walter Skinner was also coming back, yell at Mulder some more. That would be like, just let me die here in my joy. The point is, 
that all like the key names are coming back. And I think it's, I think it'll also be interesting because like for me, X-Files is like, I, I, we haven't really had our big X-Files bonanza episode yet. And I'm glad that we've held off because now I can definitely do one in honor of these six new episodes coming up. But like X-Files to me is truly like my most formative fandom. Like I got into fandom long ago, far away um, from the very beginning because of the X-Files. Like, it's what taught, it's what drove me to learn how to use the internet. It's where I made my first friends on the internet. It, it was one of, like, the best fandoms that I've ever been in still. Um, it also was the first show for which I had an understanding that, like, it mattered who the writer and the director were on each episode. Yeah. Um, and it's where so many talented names that you see all over the place come from. So I think that, like, Everyone knows Vince Gilligan. Vince Gilligan was got his start on the X-Files. He was like a writer on the show. And then lots of other names that you guys know, like Darren Morgan, um, Kim Manners, who has sadly passed away. Like half the people who like still staff Supernatural like all started from the X-Files. And a lot of people have left the X-Files and went on to do really, truly amazing things. So I'm really excited. I really hope that everyone we love so much comes back. And, like, this is really, I don't know. I feel like the people who don't get this or, like, weren't into the X-Files are, like, missing out on, like, the biggest, like, fucking nerd party that's happening on the internet and in the world this year. I'm psyched. I'm so stoked. (laughs) Well, I know how you feel. I just want you to, like, temper your expectations. Because remember how amped I was that Sailor Moon was coming back? Yes. And then remember that Sailor Moon... Crystal turned out to be the worst. But didn't the original guy, <laughs> did Silver Moon, not want Crystal to happen? Uh, Naoko Takeuchi? I don't know. I don't know these people's names. She's the mangaka. Right. She was, like, on board. She wrote the lyrics of the theme song. Maybe. I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, you can do all this sort of expectations management on me and shit like that. But right now, like, my brain on X-Files is very much like a 13-year-old girl about to go on her first date. Like, this is going to be perfect and wonderful and beautiful, and we're going to get married, and I'm going to wear, like, a white Vera Wang spoke dress, and it's going to be, like, world-changing. Good. I mean, reality will set in eventually, but no, not for a while. Not for a while. That's, that's about what I expected. Oh my god, I'm so happy. I'm very happy for you. This is, like, the happiest I've been in a very long time. It's been a rough year. Well, it's not even that. It's just that, like, I'm not really, like, a quote-unquote happy person. So (laughs) this level of, like, emotion is weird for me. Sometimes I forget that you're you. Like, I can't ever imagine saying I'm not quote-unquote a happy person. (laughs) Like, even when I'm like, fuck everything, I'm still like, I'm generally speaking a pretty fucking happy person. Yeah, no, I'm like, I'm like the total opposite. We're like April and Andy. I was just thinking that. (laughs) Right, right? Like, you're like, let's be friends with everyone, and I'm like, I will kill them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely Andy. You're definitely April. Go soul bond. 100%. Long distance fist bump, okay? Long distance. I'm fist bumping at my screen. Good. Me too. Let's both do it. Yeah. We don't even have the webcam on, by the way, guys. We're just, like, doing this in silence. Well, not as visual silence. 
It's just audio. Now. Yeah. We don't even need the picture. We got it so deep. We know. <laughs> we just know. We just know. All right. So that is that is our like show roundup for the week. MK, what is our main topic? We're going to talk about Kingsman. And guys, be prepared because Prue loved this and I did not. <laughs> That's a very kind way of putting it. Considering how you described your relationship with the film. Guys, before we go any further, we are going to spoil the hell out of this. Um, And there are a couple of major, like, I normally am not super about spoiler warnings and skipping. And, like, I don't mind being spoiled for the most part. But I'm very grateful that I wasn't spoiled for this movie. Um, And specifically, it's, like, a couple of key scenes that I wasn't spoiled for that I'm grateful I wasn't spoiled for. So if you are planning on seeing this film at some point and want to get, like, the full experience, I do recommend that you shut us off here and come back once you've already seen it. Because there are a couple of things that are just going to, like, you you got to see it clean. <laughs> That's all I got to say. You know, considering this movie is really dumb, I'm like, yeah, don't spoil yourself. Because it's weirdly complex dumb. It's great. This movie is great. MK, do you, I would, I would say, like, MK, do you want to give a summary of it? But I feel like you're not going to give it a fair shot. How would I just give commentary during your summary? (laughs) Good. That sounds good. So Kingsman, the Secret Service, is basically a movie based on a Mark Miller comic book um, where our lead character, who is a young 'er ne'er-do-well who grows up in the council estates in London, Exe Unwin. Also former, like, super gymnast. Uh, yes, it's like a tiny point in the film. Um, essentially, like, his father died when he was really young on a mission with, like, what is very obviously from the beginning, like, a super secret spy organization. And Colin Firth is tasked with the unsavory task of going to tell, you know, Lee Unwin, his widow and young child, that, you know, the husband and father is dead. So he goes, gives the bad news, and he leaves young Eggsy um, with a medal that has the Kingsman logo on it and a number on the back and tells him that the secret words are Oxford's not Brogues. In case anything comes up, they have one favor to cash in. Fast forward 17 years. Eggsy has really gone down the wrong path. Their lives have really gone down the toilet. And one night after a series of like tons of shitty things, Eggsy steals a thug's car and then decides to play chicken with the filth, <laughs> aka the cops in London, and obviously gets his ass arrested. Um, when he whoa, is whoa, whoa. in the, he pardon? gets his ass arrested because he refuses to run over a small animal, which is adorable. Like I was super endeared at this point. Yes, um, and then what, he get, he decides to use his one phone call, and he tries this number that he's never called in this favor before. And after he says Oxford's not brogues the woman on the phone hangs up on him and almost immediately he's released from prison. And when he wanders out looking confused and like not quite certain what's happened, who is leaning up against the wall at the police station other than excruciatingly hot Colin Firth. Oh my God. So hot. (laughs) Who basically decides to a help Eggsy and then makes a decision to sponsor him as a potential candidate for the slot in the Kingsman, which is their super secret 
peacekeeping spy organization magic assassin like whatever it's it's just like a fake assassin spy group um and the rest of the movie is essentially like him getting trained to be a spy before some stuff happens everything goes wrong and then young Exy has to save the world the first third of the movie is him sort of being trained to be a spy um and getting like some gentleman lessons from colin firth which like Obvi, I am into training montages and people getting, well, <laughs> hot young things getting lessons from Colin Firth. Let's put it that way. Oh my god. That's what it is. You know it's true. I'm not saying anything. So, so cute. <laughs> to give some more context as to, like, our radically different reactions to this film, this is a Matthew Vaughn movie. Um, and if you've only known Matthew Vaughn from his work with X, um, X-Men First Class, you got a little bit of a taste of his particular style and sensibility. It's much more on view in movies like Kick-Ass and Stardust. He is super hyper-stylized, really over the top, and... Uh, it's, it's very much like, I think that some people really like Matthew Vaughn movies, and some people really dislike Matthew Vaughn movies. I personally really like Matthew Vaughn movies, and I think that this was one of the most fun and funniest movies I've seen in a really long time. So, I've seen Stardust, and I liked it, and I had zero interest in watching Kick-Ass, and I watched X-Men First Class, but I did not enjoy it. Okay. And all of those, like, if you had told me, like, there's, my brain cannot make sense of the fact that those are all one dude. Like, those seem like three very different movies to me. And then this. The closest tonally and visually would be, like, kick ass. Wow. Okay. Like, literally, I did not see that coming. (laughs) I know. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I would okay. say, yes, I was, I was going to say like you, when we, okay, to give you guys some context on this, I have been really excited about this movie for a long time. I saw the first trailers for this early last year when they didn't even have the full version of the Colin Firth pub fight scene cut together. They just had the opening launch where he like throws the stein, the beer stein in a dude's face with his umbrella and he gets knocked over. I love right? that like, fight. Yeah, that's the version of the trailer that I saw. And I saw that long ago, and I was like, good, I'm in. I will watch anything that Colin Firth is in, which explains why I have seen, like, What a Girl Wants um, more than once. And so this was a bad decision I was going to make anyways, but it just seemed like such a cool premise and, like, so fun and, like, gadgets. And, like, I love James Bond and I love this sort of shit. But then when the movie actually came out, I was, again, really busy. But then people started rolling in with their opinions. And it wasn't just reviews, right? It was, like, people that I knew and people who generally like the same stuff that I do who hated this movie. So I was so confused. And I asked you about this, right? Okay, I was like, should I even see this movie? Like, what did you think of it? And you were so weird with your response. Well, it's such a weird... Listen, I loved the first third of this movie. And then to me, it basically falls off a cliff, and I wish I could have walked out. Well, but- okay. Um, so the first third of the movie, to orient you guys, 
is the whole setup where you first meet Harry Hart, who is the Colin Firth character, and you meet Eggsy Unwin, who is played by Taryn Edgerton, who is adorable, and, like, injects a real sweetness into the character that I really didn't anticipate for this movie. And it's the training montage, he gets a dog, like, a lot of this was stuff that we were guaranteed to like. But about, what was your breaking point, right? Like, what was the point at which you were like, I no longer enjoy this movie? Um, it, okay, so, I would say it starts to go downhill when he gets kicked out, like, he fails the test because he won't shoot his dog, which, like, guys, don't worry, the dogs don't actually die, and it's really- The dogs are fine. It's really obvious going into the test that when you shoot the dog, it won't actually die, that it's gonna be blanks. Like, I don't know why he couldn't figure that out. It seems incredibly obvious. He's pretty simple, MK. He is pretty simple, but he's also supposed to be smart. And like No, but like here's the thing, right? Like I know you're saying that it's really obvious that it would be blanks, but like to me it's not obvious that it would be blanks. Really? Yeah. Like when I saw that scene, like I was like, oh fuck, they want him to kill the dog. And I totally get why they would want him to kill the dog, right? Like they you've like built up a relationship with this dog. You love the dog, you've taken care of the dog. It's like working with a partner but then you find out that they're bad and you have to follow orders and kill them that's like a last test yeah yeah but there's no reason for okay so the point of the test is will you kill them it's not kill them so no i know but like if the but to me it's like if it was blanks then what's the point right then it's not a real test if you believed that there were blanks then it's not a real genuine test so like to me i was like oh fuck they actually wanted to kill a dog Oh, no. I was like, there's no way. Um, I, but you know what? This is, like, sociopath me who has, yeah. like, maybe too much in common with Sherlock where I'm like, obviously you don't shoot... You're not killing the dog. You're just shooting a blank at it. Like, I would have been like, boom. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I, like, I don't... I wouldn't have done it. I would have failed that test. Actually, I say I would have been like, boom, but literally it depends on, like, how sociopathic I am that day. Anyways, continue. What was the breaking point with this movie? Anyway, so at that moment I was like, wow, he's real dumb. And I had been, like, really enjoying things like, um, is it Samuel L. Jackson who's playing the bad guy? He is indeed. Okay, because I'm, like, so face blind. (laughs) I was like, I think it's him, but I could be wrong. Anyways, no, I was like, that's Samuel L. Jackson, right? And it was. Uh, He was doing, like, I was really enjoying him as the bad guy. For the most part, I was really enjoying... Um, his lady companion, his, like, evil... Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but the, the violence... So, like, I was enjoying the fight scenes, and my brain would do this thing during the fight scenes where I was like, man, this fight scene is really cool. It is just over the line of how much violence I can handle. Like, it's right. gratuitously mm-hmm. violent, and there's, like, yeah. weird cartoonish violence in it. Like, when she cuts a dude in half right in the opening... Yep. So, like, stuff like that, I would be watching it, and I would be having a great time, and then I would kind of pull back and be like, oh, no, I, I don't like that at all. And then I would get back into it, and I'd be like, oh, that dog is adorable. I'm like, look at his shitty, like, other people trying out for this job. And then I'd be like, oh, no, but I don't like this, like, at all. So it was a real roller coaster for the first third. Even though I say that I loved it, I mean that I mostly loved it. Right. Um, And after... I would say, like, shortly after Eggsy gets kicked out of Kingsman, 
instead of being like large swaths of me enjoying something and little parts of me being like, whoa, 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 that's too much. It was mostly me being like, I'm not enjoying this with little moments of me being like, yeah, I like that. So are you telling me that you didn't like the church scene? Oh, I loved the church scene, but also at the same time, I was like, this is probably a little too violent, but yes, kill all these assholes, like murder the shit out of them. I am 100% on board, and I will watch Colin Firth fight people in, like, I, God, I could see him do that all day long. Like, it was so good. So good. Um, part of this is, okay, so shortly after that, huge spoiler, guys, if you haven't tuned out yet and you haven't seen this, this is the moment to turn back. You're punishing yourself. You're literally punishing yourself if you go further and you haven't seen this movie yet. Um, the movie is just not as strong without Colin Firth, so when he dies, there's, like, uh, there were a lot of things in the, the first third that I really liked, because I was like, oh man, Colin Firth, so great, look at him kicking ass, look at him doing this. When he's not there, that took away, like, one of the things that I was really enjoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start getting into, like, it's almost like for the first third, the evil plan that Samuel L. Jackson has is just like, you're like, I get where you're coming from. And also this is a little hilarious, but like, I can see how you got to this point. Um, but after that, it becomes not like funny, ridiculous, but just sort of like you're fucked up and that's fucked up. And like this whole situation is kind of fucked up and not in a way where I'm like, I want to see you die. It's almost like, how did it even get to this point? Like, you thought that the plan was too absurd to it's, work in the movie? Or, like, someone should have been like, whoa, this plot is dumb? It, a little bit of both. Okay. Um, so, like, I understand, and it makes sense, that, like, a bunch of rich people would be like, we'll just kill off most of the world's population, uh, because that will reduce global warming. I'm like, I get how you came to that conclusion. However, at the same time... You're fucking rich people. How are you going to feed yourselves or clothe yourselves? or what, Like, none of you have any real-world skills. You basically live off of the backs of poor people. So you're going to need poor people to support you. So I don't think they thought that through. Um, to the point where they were, like, getting a chip put in their head. Uh, the scene where all of the people's heads explode was just <laughs> way too long. Like, way too long. If you had shown me, like a bunch of people uh, for, like, 15 seconds of that happening, I would have been, like, hilarious, just desserts. But because that was, like, three minutes of heads exploding, I was like, no, this is this is way too much. Um, I, don't, I, feel, I feel almost like this is, like, and this is, like, the most bizarre thing ever, but this, like, goes back to the old Penny Arcade thing about critics. It's like, I don't think this is a movie for you. I don't think it was either, but, like, the first 30... Like, the first half third, I was like, for the most part, I'm enjoying this. And then all of a sudden, it was 100% not for me, as opposed to, like, 25% not for me. Yeah, so, I mean, I can't speak to your experience of it, because obviously I think that, like, we came out of that movie with a lot of different things on our minds. But this movie was, like, 100% for me. Like, everything about it really, really was, like, great and hilarious. Even the scene where people are brutally attacking each other? Oh my god, it was so fucking funny. That was because so long. It was so funny because the movie is hyper stylized. Everything about it is hyper stylized. So um, 
everything about like from the way that the movie is shot from the sort of absurdities that you have to like buy into like the weirdness like it starts from the scene where harry is showing eggsy like the kingsman thing where you're going down the stairs or like the dressing room three or something is like sinking down below right yes where eggsy is like how fucking deep is this thing? And he's like, deep enough. And you're like, it's ridiculous. This is too deep. This is like 48 stories below ground. But that's like the mentality of the whole movie, right? It's like, it's the whole like, too much is too much, but too, too much is just right. And that's how I felt about this entire film. So I agreed with you about like the first third in terms of like, I loved all of that stuff. I loved you know, I loved Colin Firth's character, like that first fight scene yes. with him and the thugs in the bar is still like, hands down, no questions asked, just for the cost of admission, completely worth it to watch that in a big theater and to watch like Mr. Darcy beat the ever loving shit out of a bunch of thugs in a pub. So good for me. A hundred percent good for me. Um, and then it just kept getting better, right? Like, I love the sort of um, spy flick and, like, the sort of trading montages and, like, the sort of weirdnesses associated with Kingsman trading. Like, when the proposed new candidates are brought in and you meet Roxy, who seems really cool, and then they get to pick dogs, and then, like, Eggsy has one friend. Um, and also, it's just, like, everything, like, the first third was just delightful, right? Like, it was just lots of fun. I almost feel feel that the first third could have used more training montage. No, because that's not the point of the movie. I know, but it's what I would like. I know, but again, that's not the point of the movie. It's not for me. (laughs) Again, yeah, I I just don't think this movie was for you. And then the second, I don't even know if it's like thirds, right? The second segment of the movie kind of starts Mm -hmm. after Eggsy fucks up his final exam where he won't shoot his dog Jack Bauer, which... Gotta love that boy. Gotta love that sweet, dumb boy. He named his dog Jack Bauer. Um, And he goes, and he tries to steal Arthur's car. And, of course, the damn thing is radio-controlled. And Harry brings, like, drives him against his will to Harry's house. And shows him his own stuffed dog, which he has taxidermied in his bathroom. And yells at him in the bathroom for a little while. And it's so great. It's so great. And then he goes to Kentucky, murders like 200 people in a church. And can we please talk about this scene? Like, oh this my is God. The craziest, most elaborate, ridiculously choreographed fight scene I've ever seen. Okay, wait, to give. I'm counting a lot of old kung fu movies in this. Yes. It, it was nuts. Let's just say that hypothetically, you are the one listener who, despite not seeing the movie, has continued to come this far. Let's give you some background. <laughs> Which is, Samuel L. Jackson has created a device. He's basically given everybody in the world a free SIM card for their phone, for, like, free calls, free internet, free everything, for life. However, he has a device that will make that SIM card produce a sound, and it doesn't matter if, like, one person in your area has it, or if, like, every person has it. It makes you go crazy and start murdering the shit out of people. Yeah, it triggers all of your violent tendencies and removes all of your inhibitors. And they've decided to test it at, like, a hate group church that hates, like, people of color, gay people, abortion, 
women. They're basically the Westboro Baptists. Yes. Where he's testing, um, where he's decided to do this test run. And the Kingsmen have been following up on this, like, I, uh, following up on this plot of uh, Valentine. The name of Samuel L. Jackson's character is Valentine. Following Valentine's plot for a while. So they get this, like, ping. They get this clue. And... Harry um, gets noticed as he's yelling at Eggsy in front of his stuffed dog in his bathroom. This movie is amazing. Um, <laughs> as he's yelling at Eggsy in front of his stuffed dog in the bathroom, that um, they've traced the pain to this church, this hate church in Kentucky. So he flies out and he's like, we'll sort this out when I get back. Like, I'm going to keep yelling at you. And we're going to figure something out when I get back. I have to go deal with this shit right now. Heads so up, he's not coming back. No, he is not coming back. So he flies into Kentucky. He goes to this church group, and he's, like, watching the sermon, and it's, like, vile, obviously. It's classic Westboro. Um, And he tries to leave, and the woman next to him won't let him, and then he does the greatest line of the movie, which I cannot reproduce. I don't know how Colin Firth managed to say that line with a straight face. (laughs) It was perfection. Um, And then he... As he's trying to leave the church, Valentine flicks the switch because they're doing the trial run at a house next door. And everyone in the church goes fucking insane simultaneously. So if it was just everyone in the church killing each other, that would already be gruesome. But then you inject into the middle of this chaos Colin Firth, who is a fucking killing machine, right? Like he's a trained savage murderer and he basically goes through and just obliterates everyone in this church he must kill so many people in so many different ways like he stabs so many people he breaks a lot of necks he shoots people in the face it is insane and the action in this scene goes so quickly and is so i don't know i just loved it every second of that fight scene was awesome it's really great because he's so trained and so talented and he knows exactly what he's doing and everybody else there will like try to attack him and he's just destroying them yeah it's very it's also like um that's a really good point like there's a great economy of motion in the way that he is murdering all of these people and it really differentiates from like sort of just the regular chaos that's around him But at the end of it, literally everyone in the church is dead. Like, everyone in the fucking church is dead. And Colin Firth is the last one standing. And they end the trial. And he's standing there, like, in the destruction and staring at all of these, like, more than 100 dead people. Is it, like, 200 people who are dead in that church right now? It's just him alone. Yeah, it's him alone. He's covered in blood. And he, like, staggers out of the church to see Valentine out front. Being, and he's like, how do you like my little toy or whatever? And Colin Firth is like, how did you do this? What did you do? And Valentine basically says something like, in any other movie, this is the point where, where I would come up with some overly elaborate way to kill you. I would monologue. It would give you time to think of a way to get out of this, right? Theatricality. And Colin Firth said something like, yeah, I would go with that. And that's when Samuel Jackson picks up the gun and shoots him in the face. So the thing that we haven't talked about is that part of the Kingsman's um, spy gear is that they wear these really beautiful bespoke suits, which are all bulletproof, number one. And number two, all of them wear these thick black rimmed glasses, which are video transmitters and audio transmitters. So as Harry started to go insane and murder people in this church, like 
Eggsy could see it. Like, he was on a computer and logged in and watching Harry murder the shit out of all of these people. And he's not the only one. Pardon? He's not the only one. Like, everyone, uh, a bunch of the higher level people at Kingsman are also watching it live. And so they all also see him die. Yeah, so all of them see him get shot in the face. At which point, Eggsy goes insane. Or doesn't go insane, but, like, he screams... He runs to Kingsman headquarters. He goes to the guy who is actually like the head of the Kingsman and is like, Harry's dead. What do we do? And um, there's some more plot and stuff like that. But the key thing to know is that in the end, it ends up having to be like Eggsy, um, the one like tech genius played by Mark Strong, who goes by Merlin and Roxy are the three people who have to save the whole world because God knows whether the rest of the Kingsmen are good or bad. And there's elaborate fight scenes inside Valentine's fortress. There's a lot of redonkulousness. And there is a scene set to pomp and circumstance where all the world leaders have their heads explode. Sorry, when you say a a lot of ridiculousness, are you referring in part to the anal sex thing? No, that's a thing we'll have to talk about separately. Great. But like, of ridiculousness where people's heads explode and that's the thing where I'm okay was like that went on too long I was like I was pissing myself laughing the entire time that was happening I was I so uncomfortable I could have watched that on loop for an hour it was so good so awful like could not but see here's the thing right like you can't say like people's heads explode it was so awful and violent because it wasn't even awful and violent it was so over the top and ridiculous it wasn't even real when people's heads exploded you weren't getting like what it would actually look like if someone's head exploded it looked like tiny fireworks (laughs) i think that's part of what made it so gross to me i don't know how to explain this but like that whole scene made me feel sick to my stomach yeah, I was just shitting myself laughing. So I saw this movie with Mare, and both of us were, like, on the floor. <laughs> of course you were. We were. We were on the floor. Go ahead. It's so good. So Eggsy saves everyone. He kills Valentine. <laughs> um, and I don't want to talk about that either, because that was also gross. He kills Valentine's assistant. Oh my god! Okay, we just have, we have to talk a little bit about the killing Valentine scene. No! Because... The whole part, and MK, please cover your ears if you're going to be grossed out by this. Oh. The whole premise of Valentine as a villain is really interesting because he is not constructed the way that classic maniacal Bond villains are constructed. His motivations are at the base, like deeply misguided, but in a weird, twisted way, good. Like he wants to save the planet, but his method to do this is by eliminating most of the human population. Obviously, that's not cool. Um, but the other thing about him is that Valentine's setup is that he's, like, super afraid of violence. He can't look at blood. He wants to get this done, but he doesn't want to get his hands dirty with it. So that's why he has, like, his terrifying henchwoman, Giselle, who has, you know, knife legs, which are amazing. And she just, like, kills people all the time. And it's really great. Um, but so he he basically says from the very beginning that if he sees blood, he'll throw up. And it's not like just a little vomit. It's projectile vomit. So when Exit kills him, he literally throws her, like, one of the henchwoman's, like, knife legs through him and punctures him with it. And he looks at this thing sticking out of his chest. And he, like, projectile hurls all over his, like, evil mastermind board. Great. 
so tremendous. Samuel L. Jackson completely leaned into that, and it was awesome. Continue. Sorry. I just needed to talk about that a little bit because it was, like, so magic compared to most, like, Bond villains. It was so was- disgusting and <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> Movie is unnecessary. I, oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. Like, literally, when we talked about the first chunk, I'm like, most of this is great. And we get here, and I'm like, I might puke myself right now. <laughs> Okay, okay, no more puke discussion. Okay. Um, so, he's killed all those people, he's saved the day, whatever. He's wearing those glasses, and mm-hmm. the thing we haven't talked about is the, uh, the princess, the, yes. like, Scandinavian princess. So there's a Scandinavian princess. Valentine has been, like, throughout the film, meeting with important, like, high-up people, Um, And telling them his plan, like, completely openly. He tells them all the details. And then he's like, are you in? And if they say yes, he implants a chip in their head, which includes the kill switch, which Eggsy uses to kill all those people. Um, And, you know, also will protect them so that they're not affected by the sound when the sound happens. Right. If they say no, he doesn't kill them, because that would be crazy. He locks them up in a giant prison that he's keeping underneath his like secret mountain base i think that's what it is and each cell is like luxurious and wonderful but they are trapped in there and every day he like brings them food and is like hey have you changed your mind yet do you want to join in on my plan and if they say no he like feeds them and leaves them alone um so it's like his treatment of them is not bad um and one of the people who says no and we see her say no is the scandinavian princess who is like bitch you cray Yep. Anyways, Eggsy runs into her when he's infiltrating the base, and he's like, yeah, I have to, I can't let you out right now, because they have to save the world first. And she's like, oh, and this goes from zero to, like, a thousand in two seconds. If you save the world, we do it up the butt. (laughs) And that is what motivates him, apparently, to save the world. So you're like, not, see, okay, here's the thing, right? Like, I have to, like, call absolute horseshit on this entire narrative that everyone has constructed about this joke in the movie. Because I was warned about this by, like, 14 concerned trolling people before I saw this movie. They were like, oh my god, okay, so there are lots of things going on in this movie that are problematic. But the most problematic thing in this movie is that, like, Eggsy only saves the world so he can backdoor a princess. It's not the only reason, but you can literally see him get real excited and motivated. Like, okay, but again, I'm gonna go back to my whole point about this being, like, absolute horseshit, because here's the thing, guys. The way the scene is actually set up is that Eggsy, Merlin, and Roxy are the only people who are available. Roxy has to go shoot a fucking satellite, so she's up in space shooting a satellite, which is awesome. It's pretty great. Um, Merlin is doing other things, trying to, like, tap into various surveillance systems and help Eggsy how he can from his perch in the plane that they flew in on. And Eggsy is kind of alone down inside of the main, like, evil mastermind mountain doing, like, all the killing and shit like that. So he realizes that there's a princess in this thing, and I don't remember the setup, but for some reason he starts talking to her, and then he finds out that he has to go back and, like, keep finishing his job with saving the world, right? But what happens, so basically she opens the door or like she opens a little window in the door. They have a brief conversation where he says some, he basically tells her like, 
oh, you're a princess? Like, if I save the world, will you give me a kiss? I've always wanted to kiss a princess. And she comes back to him with, if you save the world, we can do it in the ass. At which point he blinks because it's fucking ridiculous. Like you said, it goes from zero to a thousand. And he's like, I'll be right back. And he runs off to go fight somebody. It's so stupid and so funny. It is so over the top. Eggsy wanted to kiss a princess. He was joking. And like, she hadn't even said yes. It's when he's like, oh, I've got to go. And then she comes back with like, no, don't worry. We're not ending this with a kiss. We're going to go full anal. Come on. It's so, how are people getting so offended by this? It was just like, I can't even, it was so so off-putting. I can't, I can't believe people are taking this one so seriously. It's not so much that I'm taking it seriously as that it's like, for me, it was, like, everything wrong with having mostly dudes writing movies. Like, I just instantly was, like, a thousand percent aware that pretty much everyone who worked on this movie was a dude, and that they, like you, would be shitting themselves laughing over this. You realize that this movie was written by a male-female pair, right? That <laughs> that Matthew Vaughn's writing partner for years and years and years is a woman? What?! It's like, yes. I cannot even conceptualize that having watched this right. fucking movie. This is what I'm saying, right? Like, you're like, oh, this is absurd. And it's like, absolutely just massages. I write jokes like that. I'm a woman. Not on this level. Not on this I level. I totally write shit like that on this level. Like, I make jokes like this all the time. Not to, like, literally when I read your stuff, it doesn't feel like this. This was, like, so incredibly off-putting the whole time. But more importantly, after he saves the world, he goes back, and Merlin is still watching him through the glasses, like, seeing exactly what he sees. And the last shot you see from Eggsy is this lady's, like, admittedly beautiful ass. Yes. So here's what I will say about that closing shot, right? If, like, had I been the person editing this movie or doing, like, the last pass, I would say that you don't actually need to see her ass, right? No. All you need is a reaction shot from Mark Strong. But that is, like, my only criticism about the joke. Like, I think it's stupid. I think it's really funny. I think it's ridiculous. And I think that it ma- like I think that the context of it really matters. I think that, like, a lot of people have been going out there and, like, in their discussions of, like, why this movie is, like, awful are talking about how, like, he's only motivated to save the world by anal, which I think is, like, deeply unfair to the character of Egg, like, insofar as there are characters in this movie, right? I think it's really unfair to Eggsy as a character because that's absolutely not what happened. And then B, it's also sort of, like, really, really, like, I don't know, it's, like, giving a weird, overly serious cast to what is completely, like, a ridiculous... Here's the thing. You're not supposed to think about this movie very... Like, you're not supposed to think about this movie very strongly. I think it was funny. I thought it was really sweet that at the end of it, like, he got champagne and two glasses and he took it back to her cell. Like, he's had a rough fucking day. Like, frankly speaking, if I had just escaped death and most of the world was gone, I'd be up for it. Like, why not? Let's have a little reminder that we're all alive. You know what? The thing is, if they had just done the reaction shot from Merlin... The joke would have come off totally differently. Like, there's, like, a lot of things where I'm like, this could be funny if. But instead, like, the way it's shot, like, there's something about, oh, I can't even explain it. It's almost like watching or... You know what? I have a a theory, though, about why this hit people so badly. Okay. My theory is this. For the rest of the movie, right, for all of its problems and issues... 
this movie was really female gazy. This movie is not about the way that men sexualize men at all, right? Like, there's not, like, big Rambo muscles or anything. It's really just about, like, becoming extremely polished, extremely competent, and looking hot as shit in really beautiful bespoke suits. So even, even ignore all, like, the stuff that's happening in the dialogue and the plot, like, visually speaking, everything about this movie is very female gazy, which is why, like, we went into it and we're like, oh, Mr. Darcy, you look so good killing people and like oh Eggsy that is a hideous tracksuit I'm so glad that we put you in a beautiful bespoke suit oh my god he went from like Um, Chav to like Darcy Mini exactly and then suddenly at the very 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 end right it takes this massive tonal shift and it goes full male gaze because there's nothing about that scene like visually that appeals to you as a woman yes you know what That's probably a good chunk of it. It's not all of it for me, because, like, obviously a lot more than that turned me off. But that is, like, a good chunk of it. Can I also say, did you see the postscript at the end of the movie? Uh, where Eggsy goes to the pub? No, no. The text that appeared on the screen. That I did not. Uh, so if you stayed, like, slightly longer, a message appears on the screen after the final scene which basically says, this movie is dedicated to my mother, who oh my taught God, me... I saw that, and I shrieked in the theater. I was just staring at it, like, what <laughs> the fuck is happening? That was another one where I burst out laughing again. <laughs> I wasn't even, like, at that point, I was just like, I hate this movie, and I need to leave. Also, what the <laughs> fuck? I was like, Matthew Vaughn, you have brass ones. I cannot believe. Dedicate. It's like not that long after the anal scene, by the way, guys. It's like, anal. Thanks, mom. Thanks for everything about teaching me how what it means to be a Kingsman. It was so fucking, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Oh my god. Now, I don't think there was like a post-credit scene. No, I saw that. And I like definitely was stopped as we were leaving the theater. And I was like, what the fuck, Matthew <laughs> You weirdo. Yeah. Now, I will say, as much as I hated this movie, Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying the fandom. Because the fandom has very little to do with the movie. (laughs) The fandom... (laughs) The fandom is its own thing. The fandom is... the fandom is its own thing. I mean, it always is, but, like, fandom, congratulations on taking something that I was like, this makes me want to puke. Thinking about it makes me want to puke. And turning it into, did you want Daddy Kink featuring Colin Firth and a hot young thing? Boy, have we got something for you. It, I mean, yes, obviously. So my journey of discovery into this fandom was essentially that, like, I had not seen this movie yet. But there were picture sets and GIF sets that were starting to show up on Tumblr. And I'm, like, mega weak to hot older dudes who are sort of mean to hot younger dudes. It is one of my really obvious weaknesses because uh, everyone that I knew on Tumblr started tagging my name in all sorts of Kingsman posts, essentially because like Waldorf started this because she was trying to troll me into writing Kingsman smut. And I was like, I can't, I haven't seen the movie. You don't need to and see she was the like, movie. Here are a bunch of trailers. Here are a bunch of GIF sets. What else do you need? <laughs> you don't need anything else. Just write me some porn. 
So eventually, like, I obviously caved, and I, like, wrote some, like, holy crap, real embarrassing, nasty smut um, before I even saw the movie. <laughs> Good. And I, and I feel like a lot of other people in the fandom are, like, sort of in the same, like, full-throttle nasty boat I am in. Yeah, no, 100%. I read your porn, and I was like, this is some great fucking porn. And I'm excited for more to happen. And, like, that is, like, the only thing that I have enjoyed taking away from this movie, other than pictures and gifts of Colin Firth in a suit beating the shit out of, like, chav thugs. God, it's so good. It's so good for me. Oh, it's so good. So good. Um, I don't know, I... As you guys can tell from the way this conversation went, like, I think this is, like, sort of a weirdly, unexpectedly divisive movie, but specifically only in fandom. I think that people either did or didn't like it, and they don't feel strongly about it one way or the other outside of this universe. But in fandom, people who hated this movie, like, really hated this movie. And people who love this movie, like, really love this movie. And I definitely really loved this movie camp. So, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, MK. I really, it's, it's just one of those where, like, had I seen this movie before you did, I would have 100% been like, don't bother. You are not going to like it. This yeah. is not your type of movie. I wish you had seen it before me, but that's not the way it worked out. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Also, I'm going to say, it makes perfect sense, in hindsight, that you and I feel completely differently about this movie, because the last fandom we actively shared was... Stargate Atlantis? Yep. It's been ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Ten fucking years. I'm a, I'm I'm also like instinctively against any like anytime someone tells me like before I even see a media property that there's going to be something in it really sexist that will turn me off, I instinctively am like, oh will there be? I mean Will there really be? That's like the default of all media. Yeah, I mean, like, but no, it just makes me, like, particularly, like, mm, I don't know. I think I'll go in with an even more open mind. <laughs> yeah, but you just hate being told what to do. I do hate being told what to do. Which, And I also ditto. think that, like, fandoms, I also think that fandoms general, I don't know. I think that fandoms general, like, understanding and ability to, like, parse out what is actually sexist in the world is, like, real broken. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel like people are very overreactive. And, like, yes, there's a lot of terrible shit and we need to do better. But, like, the way that fandom as a collective has been handling it is not helpful or good. No, it's pretty embarrassing for the most part. Basically. Um, yeah, so... Guys, I get your shit like, I definitely went into watching this movie with, like, the mentality that, like, well, I've been warned by, like, everyone and their brother that there's, like, a really sexist angel sex joke in here, so I guess I'm going to go in with a completely open mind and watch. I will probably think it's hilarious, and I did. I mean, I'll say that you and I agree on the fact that fandom is cray in this situation, and yet I'm right there with them being like, that was disgusting and I hated it. Oh my god, I loved it. It was so great. So um, awful. <laughs> so funny um okay so is there anything else we want to discuss or do we want to jump into the questions that we got i think we should jump into questions okay so the first question we got was from moggies and tea and her question is colin firth getting better with age or what i mean i can't even say better i feel like 
you know, most people get worse over time. And he's just, like, holding yeah. steady at the same level that he was at during Pride and Prejudice, which is crazy high. Like, most people don't maintain that level or have something that high that early in their career. Exactly. I have to say, though, that he's not just maintaining for me. I think he's getting better because as much as I love all colors and flavors of Colin Firth, this version of Colin Firth, like, kills people with umbrellas. And that was really good for me. I know you're real into that. I am so into <laughs> Go ahead. You just, you know, you know that he has the ability to take Eggsy firmly in hand. Oh, so firmly. <laughs> so firmly. <laughs> the second part of her question, sorry, Moggy. The sorry. second part of her question is, alternately, am I the only person who now wants a Pride and Prejudice Kingsman AU? I literally thought of this like the second <laughs> we left the Good. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I would read it. I would read the shit out of that. But, like, how would that work, right? Like, I don't think it conveys properly. I'm sure you could make it happen. I can, I've already figured out how to make Bridget Jones happen. I can't quite make Pride and Prejudice happen. I mean, Bridget Jones is really just an AU of Pride and Prejudice anyway. Yeah, but, like, I can AU the AU, but I can't go to the original text. It's like... I think that's acceptable. already made for me with Bridget Jones. I think that's acceptable. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, you, you shot for the moon and you landed among the stars. It's great. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Landed among the filthy, filthy stars. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question from an Anon. What is the absolute worst Kingsman AU you've come up with since seeing this movie? Right. Okay. So the first thing I did when I got this was immediately go to the AU crew Twitter account to like look through the shit that we had been tweeting. No, 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 no. You need to clarify. Don't say this as if it's like a we activity. Oh, when I say we, I don't mean you and me. I mean me retweeting shit. Well, not even retweeting, tweeting shit that like Lepagus and Marilyn were putting into chat as well as my own ideas. I'm like, I'm not a part of this. Like, I literally don't know what's on that Twitter until someone else asks me about it. <laughs> That's my favorite. <sighs> okay, now... Yes, what did you come up with? What magic? Here are my highlights. <laughs> Kingsman Secretary AU. Uh, yes. Yeah, you would love that, but it would also be terrible. It would be so good, but, like, no one write that because no one is going to get it right. Okay, next one. Eggsy works in a doggy daycare and meets hot single dad Harry. You, you say hot single dad is in like hot single doggy dad? Yes. That's what makes it hilarious. Um, okay. Harry meets Eggsy, who is too young to be a hot single dad, and yet there he is. What's <laughs> <laughs> wrong with you? <laughs> You could see a theme developing here. <laughs> On the same theme, technically she's his baby sister, but since they're all alone in this world, Eggsy is the only dad she's got. Harry is charmed. Okay. Um, and then this is, like, this is my personal favorite. I can't even say that this is really a Kingsman AU, but it did come out of Kingsman. Colin Firth is a gentleman cryogenically frozen by H.G. Wells. Han Solo accidentally wakes him in a galaxy in time far, far away. Hans reluctantly agrees to help get Colin Firth home. 
Colin Firth discovers maybe home is by Han's side in space. I say this was all love and affection in my heart, MK. That is the worst fucking idea I've ever Did you read the question? That is like, <laughs> that answers the question really well because that is the worst. Oh, wait, but there's one. Ever. There's one from Marilyn that I really think we should share. Oh, God, okay. Which is Kingsman Phantom Menace AU, where Harry is. Qui-Gon and Eggsy is Obi-Wan? I do not know Qui-Gon. I don't watch your terrible shit. Oh. You, like, people who live in glass, teen, nodding-covered houses <laughs> not get to call anything terrible shit. I have yet, like, yet to stay awake no, through trying to watch... This. You know, like, that girl with the knife legs cut off both your legs on this topic. You know, like, to stay <laughs> Anyways, that's the best answer we have to your question. <laughs> All of my AU ideas have, quite frankly, been, like, so sappy and ridiculous. I'm genuinely a little tempted to do, um, to just do, like, shitty rom-coms. Like, yes. little, little snapshots of, like, shitty rom-coms. Because... The movie, I mean, like, we don't really, we haven't really talked about it much in this podcast, but there is, like, some hilariously not subtle underlying gay subtext to this movie. So the reason that Harry Hart stops in, um, and decides to kick all of those, like, thugs' asses is as he is leaving Eggsy to get his beat down, um, one of them tells Harry, like, if you're looking for another rent boy, they're over on Smith Street. Which, good knowledge to have, I guess. Um, and then, when he, then he just, like, randomly tells Eggsy to come meet him late at night in, like, a quiet, secluded place where no one else is. And then takes him into an even more quiet, secluded place. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. starts asking him if he's seen movies like Pretty Woman and Nikita. Um, <laughs> and Eggsy's like, no. And then he explains it a little. And Eggsy's like, oh, you mean, like, my fair lady. <laughs> he's so sweet and so dumb um, and then of course there's the infamous line later in the movie where it's like it wouldn't do to pop one's cherry in dressing room two harry what are you doing so there's like a lot of actual like hilarious gay subtext and there was also like a scene that apparently was cut out of the movie where during the 24 hours that harry has Eggsy to sort of give him gentleman lessons and before his final case exam pardon what continue yeah, um, during that 24-hour period. Like, you know in the movie, the last part you see of that is... In that Harry office? Being, like, pardon? In that, like, office with all the newspaper shit on the wall? Yes, in the office with the, all the newspapers on the walls, where Harry is like, let me teach you how to be a gentleman. The first thing you need to learn is how to make a martini. And um, Eggsy's like, yes, Harry, right? There's a lot that comes after that, where, like, Harry shows Eggsy how to, like, eat at a formal dinner setting, (gasps) and all sorts of other things. Yeah, and they cut those scenes out, and then there's another scene of the next morning, where, like, Harry is, like, in his shirt sleeves making breakfast, and Eggsy kind of, like, wanders into the kitchen in, like, a t-shirt, and they have, like, a little scene before he goes off to have his final Kingsman exam. Oh, my God. It's literally Matthew Vaughn. In interviews, was like we well we had to cut some of it for pacing, but we also had to cut like the scene in the morning because it basically made it look like they fucked the. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's everything I wanted. 
Which is why I really want the DVD for this movie. Do you, like... I just... Like, okay, listen, I know you really liked this movie, but if I could have, like, edited and recut this movie into, like, basically Harry training his own personal rent boy, I would be so happy. I know. I know you would. I know you would. But so, my point is that that's, like, why there's, like, a part of me that just wants to do, like, really dumb rom-coms. So, like, you could actually do the Pretty Woman AU of this, or you could do the, um... Oh, fuck. There's, like, so many options. There are, like, so many dumb options. Secretary. You could do... Pardon? Just do Secretary. Just do it. No, Secretary's not a rom-com. No, but it's, like, fitting. Because I was about to be like, how did you watch that movie? I have never seen it. I've only heard you describe it to me at length. Are you kidding? Okay, well, I'm going to show it to you at some point. Oh, yeah, you've you've sealed your death here. Can um, you just it's forget? gonna be even weirder for you because it probably won't be until after we've seen like the next Avengers movie, and then you're gonna be like, "Wait, this dude is Ultron." <laughs> what? It's James Spader. Do you mean faux Daniel Jackson? Uh, you mean real Daniel Jackson because he was the original Daniel Jackson? He's not as good as what's his face. Oh my god. This might be a friendship over moment. Like, you say that a lot, and yet friendship's still on. I've seen that movie so many times. Yeah, okay. We have to agree to disagree on this one. We have but, to um, agree to disagree on a lot of things. James Spader is, like, the lead in Secretary. Alright. I don't actually know what that dude looks like because I'm face blind. That's that's absolutely fine. That's more for me. Um, but you could do, like, all sorts of, like, shitty rom-coms with it, right? Like, obviously Pretty Woman is one that you are almost obliged to do by the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then the other one is, like, you could do Bridget Jones. Like, yep. that would be really hilarious. You'd have to, like, rejigger a couple of things to make it work. It would be really funny. Can but I just say? In terms of, like, in terms of the question, what is the absolute worst Kingsman AU? Uh, that Han Solo one takes the cake. Um, can I suggest, like, a Princess Diaries Kingsman AU? How would that work? Uh, Harry's still a prince. He's just significantly older. (laughs) You'd watch it. (laughs) The next question is a pair of questions from an anon. Um, is the Kingsman fandom all about Hartwin, which is, uh, Harry, uh, I guess, oh, sorry, Harry Hart, Exy Unwin, um, not interested in that at all. What other pairings are people writing? Um, and then the follow-up is previous and on here, is there a fic for the other recruits apart from Roxy and Exy? I'm very interested in them much more than the Kingsman agents themselves. Thank you. So my first thought is that we don't actually know any of the names of the other recruits other than, like, Charlie who presumably is dead and is a monster. So as far as I can tell, I don't think that there's other fic about the other recruits. Um, Unless, MK, you've run into some. I haven't looked at anything except yours, but, like, honestly, just why don't you go to the AO3? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I will say that you're not going to have a lot of luck looking for stuff outside of, like, the Tell Harry Exy pairing. I think the second major pairing in that fandom is Harry Merlin, which I get a real kick out of, but I think that, like, Merlin probably deserves better. <laughs> Merlin <laughs> definitely deserves better. Merlin does not deserve having to do with Harry. Um, 
So I also think that he would probably kill Harry in his sleep, which would not be undeserved. So I think that you're like, like, this is just a long way to say, like, you might be a little shit out of luck. However, uh, obviously go check AO3. And if you don't see what you want, maybe this is the time to write it. Oh, yeah, this is a thing that, like, nobody ever suggests. And I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of things that I was like, you know what I want? I want this. And the only way to get it was to write it. And that's why shit like Covered Love exists. So just yeah, open I mean, and Google this that. Is, this is like the thing that drives me crazy, right? It's like whenever people like bitch about like, why doesn't this exist? Like, why does any of my fic exist? You can ask anyone who writes fanfic, right? It's like, how did you get the idea to write this? And I was like, well, because I wanted to read it and no one else had. That's, so I just did it. That's the foundational reason I do anything. Like, I'm pretty sure that's the reason this? that most things like that's the reason I've made every vid it's the reason I've built websites it's the reason I've written any fic ever yeah like that's that's how that works why do you think the Sistine Chapel exists yeah so it's it's the only reason I do anything it's like I wanted this but it didn't have it wasn't there or didn't exist so I had to go make it the end pretty basic (laughs) yeah so godspeed and good luck youngling go ahead Yes. Do we do we want to wrap up with any closing thoughts, MK? I don't have... You know what? My closing thought is, if you think that you are like Prue, go watch this movie. Watch it 12 times. If you think that you are more like me, burn that movie in like a ritual demon sacrifice to prevent movies like it from happening again. I just find it really funny, right? The level of hatred you have for it, but you still like... you not articulated anything specifically i don't know how to explain it it's uh i have this experience with a lot of media where like literally i'm i'm not exaggerating when i say i might puke right like it is a visceral reaction well you also have like sensory things (laughs) yeah there's also that i do like not just like this is not just you being like overly sensitive right like you actually have like sensory perception issues that cause stuff like that I have something called information processing disorder tied in with synesthesia and that can make things real complicated when it comes to consuming media or looking at specific colors or lights. Right. So like when MK says something to you, like for example, friends, if MK says something to you, like I can't look at those flowers, they might make me hurl. She's like not joking. Like that's, that's like really like those flowers might be making her nauseous. There's also a series of flowers planted outside some government buildings in my neighborhood that actually make me hallucinate for the rest of the day, and I can't look directly at them. Yep. So, I can't explain this. (laughs) Those flowers are fucked up. They really are. You took a- it's so funny, because- you, MK took a picture of them once for us, but, like, not looking at them, right? She just took a picture of them and sent it to us, and we were like, those are tulips. <laughs> it's like, not the shape, it's the color. It looks like somebody, they're, like... They're, like, they're, like, orangey-yellow tulips, and we were like, God, your life is weird. <laughs> it looks like, like, if you took pieces of an LCD screen and stuck them in real life, like, it's like those flowers are on an LCD screen, but, like, everything else is normal. I believe it. No, I totally believe you. They're like it's those moments where I'm like, how? What the? What the must the world look like from your eyes? They're sparkly. They're flickering. They like <laughs> make the whole world vibrate. I get like tactile and visual hallucinations. Like it's horrible. So strange. So strange. But yes. So 
you like mega hate so yes like mk said if you feel like you would be more in mk's camp like definitely steer clear of this movie and also you don't actually need to see the movie in order to enjoy the fandom if that's what you want out of it right Right? you literally don't need any of it i hate this movie i love the fandom Right, but if you find yourself more in, like, my camp, then go ahead, like, watch the movie. It is a ton of fun. It is definitely way over the top, hyper-stylized, mega-violent, but I got such a kick out of it. It was, like, the most fun I've had in a movie in a really, really long time. So, you guys know yourselves best, so choose appropriately. Yes. All right, Um, and with that, let's move on to our recs. MK, you said that you had a rec, but it wasn't for Kingsman. It's not for Kingsman, and you're going to hate me, but also I love it. Um, Somebody wrote, and I was so happy, like, there are certain things where you're like, I wrote this AU, and I'm like, I don't even care what fandom that is, I'm reading that AU immediately. Somebody wrote a Sentinel AU. No. I mean, yes, but I haven't had any good Sentinel AUs in a while, and I've been trolling. No. Somebody wrote a Eureka AU of Teen Wolf that is apparently, like, part one in a series, and... Sometimes I read Eureka AUs and I'm like, oh, they didn't quite, like, get that Eureka feeling or, like, the charm of Eureka or, like, these things that happen in the show that, like, you really need these elements to bring it to life. Somebody managed to perfectly merge Eureka with Teen Wolf. I'm astounded. It's called Beta Testing by Andavs. Um, and... As per usual, in Teen Wolf Eureka AUs, Styles has built, like, a wolf-type robot with Danny that will serve as, uh, like, a companion to law enforcement people, except that it has to, like, psychically link with the user. And, of course, that thing went rogue on its own and is, like, loose in the town. Of course. And Derek is the sheriff. Oh, no, Derek is head of security at GD. The sheriff is the sheriff. Anyways, I highly enjoyed it. Highly recommend it. Like, five stars. This shit's gold. (laughs) That's all I have. Good, good. All right. Um, Well, I love all Eureka AUs. So even though this one's for Teen Wolf, I feel like I will second it just because I love Eureka AUs. I think there should be more of them. Yeah. That show is so, like, that show is built for AUs. Absolutely. That show is, like, designed to be an AU for every fandom that you're in. Absolutely. I would read a Kingsman Eureka AU. Can you imagine an Inception Eureka AU? Woof. Uh, It would take a little bit more time to sort of conceptualize how that one would work. It would, but like literally anything that I've ever read, I'm like, this needs a Eureka AU. Man. All right. (laughs) I've ruined it now. I'm actually going to come in with um, actual Kingsman Rex. Um, so my first one is called Every Club's Got a Secret Handshake by Chuckle Voodoo's. It's basically a story. This is like Kingsman fandom as a whole has pulled a Phantom Menace fandom, whereby <laughs> we've collectively agreed that Harry is not dead. He's like, not dead. Just, yeah, what are you talking about? Just because you like saw him get shot in the face doesn't mean he's dead. We Don't didn't see ridiculous. a funeral. He's totally alive. He's probably, it was probably blanks or something that just took out the glasses. And he's in one of those prison cells in the mountain. He's right. Exactly. He's totally alive. And he's angrily texting Merlin because he's like, I am listening to Eggsy, like bang a princess right now. Why is no one coming to get me? (laughs) Um, He's totally alive. 
so keep that in mind for all of these stories. Um, for Every Club's Got a Secret Handshake, it's a story about Harry recovering post his headshot in the first movie, and it's about how even though he recovers almost everything else, he has a persistent, unshakable tremor in his hands. Um, and that means he can't really be on the field, he can't really aim anymore. So he does a lot of work with Kings as Kingsman, like as the new Arthur, who's the leader of the group, but he still feels like very inadequate and all this other stuff. But it it's really lovely, it's very well written, it has a great tone, it has a really hilarious, on point exe voice. And it's just really sweet. It's a very sweet romance. Um, darling, absolutely recommended. The other thing that I would recommend is a story called Class of Conduct by Fideliant. Um, and I'm just going to read my rec for this, which is the thing to know about this story is that there is a bit close to the end where someone kisses someone else on the wrist and it was scorching. <gasps> And totally romantic, and is making me bleak about not having my very own Colin Firth to wear oh. a tuxedo and beat me curry. Oh, that sounds so good! All on my pinboard, and oh. soon it will be on our page. Um, I have two more recs because MK failed you guys. Uh, my next rec is Pig Latin by Aerospaces. It's a story where Eggsy breaks his leg and has to be taken out of the field. And just for simplicity's sake, obviously it makes sense that he live with Harry. Um, and the money shot in this story is that at one point in his boredom, he just like, he pays his physical therapist to go pick up for him. And Harry walks in and Eggsy is stoned out of his mind, just like <laughs> smoking pot, his bathroom. Good. And then they fuck against a wall. So, like, really, you've got the best of both worlds in this story. Um, and the very last track is also by Aerospaces. It's called Little House. And it's a very sweet, very dreamy, intimate story that's kind of a hairy heart meditation on how, after years and years of this very rigid life that he's built for himself, he's starting to make room for Eggsy. And all of these stories are Harry Exy stories because I'm disgusting and I have needs, and those needs are Colin Firth banging. No, I whatever. I'm glad you did this research for me because literally the only Kingsman thing I've read is yours, and I'm not allowed to wreck your stuff on the podcast. <laughs> you know what? If you want to, you can wreck that one because, like, it, like I have no dignity anymore. <laughs> like, I wrote that before I saw the movie. Great. So I'm wrecking Prue's story. <laughs> I'm not in front of my laptop or anything. I'll link to it. It's great. It's pretty much porn. Yeah, it's all in it. Where, uh, it's, it's the night after, it's like, instead of immediately going off to kill the people in the church, uh, they spend the night together in that house, and Eggsy, like, the first thing he does in the story is jerk off in the shower and then furiously try to clean it up, like, intensely, because he's like... Harry can sense, like, one sperm and will know. And it's so great. I can't talk. I'm laughing. I just remember reading it and being like, that's dumb. And at the same time, 100%, I'm right there with you, Eggsy. Definitely he can sense a single sperm. Yeah, we do. Guys, thank you for listening.
listening to this horrible shit show of a podcast. If you miss us during the week, you can find us on Twitter at Slash Report. I'm on Twitter at Often Imprudent, and MK is on Twitter at Moon Klutz. You can also follow us on Tumblr at Slash Report.tumblr.com, despite the fact that we don't really post anything there. Um, and with no further ado, we will catch you guys on the flip side. Bye! Bye! just 17 drinking strawberry wine now i'm recording and that's definitely going in great fuck you i hate you you love me i hate you so much i really thought you were (laughs) i made a soap feeding reference and you thought that my name is on a real show